Welcome back to the Pregnantish Podcast, where we talk about the extraordinary ways people build their families today. This episode is in honor of National Infertility Awareness Week, and we're going to have a lot of real talk as we launch this episode, The Reality of Infertility. So I had to be joined by some of our favorite reality stars. And many of you know, and let's hear it for Golnessa from Shots of Sunset on Bravo. What season are you on now? Oh my God, we just, we finished airing season nine. Season nine. So a, almost a decade, you guys have heard from Golnessa. You know a lot about her, but maybe not everything we're going to talk about today. And here we have... Caroline Lenny. From The Bachelor Nation and, and Kendall Long. Well, we had to record this reality of infertility episode at the reality show restaurant, Sir, in West Hollywood. And we're so glad to have this real talk about fertility on the podcast today. Thanks to today's episode sponsor, Extend Fertility. Extend Fertility, based in New York City, is grounded in transparency, disrupting traditional fertility care by combining cutting-edge science with outstanding patient experience in a personalized setting to deliver better results. If you're thinking about preserving your fertility through egg freezing or IVF, contact them today by visiting extendfertility.com. So, how many of you watch The Bachelor? These are <laughs> so that you guys were both on Bachelor and Bachelor Pad, right? Bachelor in Paradise. Bachelor in Paradise. Yeah. There's so many spin-offs of these shows. Okay, but you guys have all what you share on this panel is that you've really been out there, you know, in the media, on TV sharing your stories, but I don't know how much you shared your fertility stories until maybe recently. So that's what we're going to get into today. So I want to start with you, Golnassa. Do you prefer Gigi or Golnassa? I love my name. I love it too. Okay, let's say (laughs) Golnassa. So Golnassa, you know, this is called the reality of infertility, but not everyone, and we know this, not everyone on this path to making science babies goes through infertility. Sometimes uh, it looks a little different. What's your story? I didn't have infertility issues. Um, my story is quite simple. I did not want an attachment to a man in order to have a child. It was that simple for me. That. So that was it. That started the whole journey on how I now have an almost two-year-old. And, and when you made that decision to be a single mom, what did you know about this world of creating a baby with help? And what did you... What do you wish you knew? Wow. I wish I had frozen my eggs a lot sooner. I wish I had known that that was a thing. And, you know, I said, if I have a daughter, as soon as she turns 18, she's going to get all her, you know, eggs frozen. She never has to worry about it. We should give that as a high school graduation present. Like, here you go. Go create your best gift. Like, go live your life for the next 30 years and don't worry about this. I wish I knew that because I do have an autoimmune disease. If you know anything about me, you know, I have a little spicy past. So I did play around with a lot of drugs and alcohol, partying. All kinds of crazy stuff, right? I smoked cigarettes for 22 years. I wish I knew. That's one thing I really wish I knew about egg freezing. I wish I could have done it sooner. And I think that's so much of what we're talking about in the room today is is this. Like more people sharing their voices, your voices, everyone in this room, our voices, I should say, is empowering. Because so many younger women and people listening maybe haven't thought of this before, haven't heard this discussed so openly. So 
I just want to shake people and be like, freeze your eggs, freeze them now, freeze them yesterday. Like, because it's just, we don't have time and it sucks. And I wish it was different. And it's, and it, it's so depressing that no one's talking about this. And that we have to like find out like after the fact, after it's like kind of maybe too late. And that's just, that's shitty. I don't know how else to put it. It's pretty shitty and it's not fair, but freeze your eggs, please. Well, speaking of freezing your eggs, Kendall, I think you, well, both of you froze your eggs together. They kind of did this girlfriend's. Busy week. So you met, you met on The Bachelor, correct? Yeah. You were, I have to go back for a second. You're vying for the same guy and you guys are like best friends now. Is that it? Yeah. I mean, we had a really cool season because I think like when you hear about The Bachelor, it's like, oh, these women like competing for a man and it never felt like that. I think we were all like. We supported each other and we always were rooting for each other. And um, I think that was like our season. Everyone was genuine, like like good women, you know, and we all built each other up, which I loved. So, so when you made this decision to freeze your eggs together, how did that happen? I bullied her into it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Caroline's been a huge inspiration. She's been telling, you know, her audience and like all of her friends about freezing eggs and how important it is. And for me, um, having a family is very important. And so... I was like, I, I, as soon as you went through it and a couple of our other friends. I've bullied other people into it too. Well, I just felt inspired to because you never know. And I, I definitely want to have a family. So that's what I know. And um, yeah, so Freezing My Eggs was basically inspired by that. So, so Caroline, like you also, I know you've been really open with your diminished ovarian reserve. That's what so. I have, right? Yeah. <laughs> just, just checking. Just want to double check. I don't like to put labels on it. I just go, la, 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 you tell me what to do. And she always kind of, but yes, like diminished ovarian reserve. When did you get that news, and how did you feel when you got that news? I found out in February 2020 that something was wrong. I did the modern fertility test. I reached out to our agent, and I was like, hey, can I get that? And he was like, "Mm, no, they're looking for only people in serious relationships. And I was like, ooh, cool. (laughs) Feeling my singleness. And uh, like a year and a half or so later, I, I bought the kit on my own. And thank God I did, because it gave me the insight that I needed to be able to advocate for myself and, you know, find, you know, talk to my doctors. And when initially my doctor said no, then I was able to push back. And she was like, you're fine. You just turned 29. Nothing's wrong with you. And I'm like, and I had to lie to her to, like, get her to believe me. And so I'm just sitting there, like, lying through my teeth to my doctor to get her to run some tests. And then I found out that, you know, my numbers, my AMH was even lower than we initially thought. And then the pandemic happened. And so that's the worst. You know, when you're, like, trying to, you know, you're like, oh, it's something's wrong. I got to, like take action. And then I'm just sitting at home in quarantine with COVID. And I just am dying to get into the, the, the fertility clinic. But I think like COVID messed with my period. So then I didn't get my period for six days. I was like, great, I'm already going through menopause. It's already happening. <laughs> and it, luckily I got my period. And then the first thing I did when I left quarantine, I went straight to my doctor's office. I'm like, hey, I'm here. I am. What do I do? And um, yeah, it's been a crazy journey, but I'm so grateful that I just had the insight to check ahead of time. So You know, it's so interesting. I, d- I didn't realize until we all started talking that I have three powerful, bold women, reality stars, but that you all didn't have partners going through this. I didn't realize that until this moment. And this is an important conversation because we have more single women than ever before. And I know this because I've tracked dating relationship trends my whole <laughs> career. So we have, we have single women building families in all kinds of ways, egg freezing, sperm donation, embryo donation, all of these modern ways. But 
going through fertility treatments, Golnessa, I want to talk about it as someone who doesn't have a partner walking in. How do you navigate that? Oh, my goodness. I mean, what they just described as far as their relationship on The Bachelor was sort of my world of polyamory. I am not in competition, so I don't really care if, like, I'm with someone and they're seeing other people. Once I realized that about myself, I said it's only selfish if I do get pregnant with a partner because I know I'm not going to want them in my life forever. You know, so I'm like, I can't do that to my child because I've seen people go through divorce and the only people that suffer are the children, right? You got to, you got to split holidays. You got to do this. You got to do that. And I'm not saying it's a beautiful thing to have a mom and a dad. It's great. I still, my parents are still married. I love it, but I didn't need that. So I got my mind right. I, you know, got my health a little bit in order because I have an autoimmune. I needed to really get that in order. And once I did all those things, I'm like, okay, I don't need a dude. And if he comes to my life, he has to accept me for all the crazy shit already because he's going to accept a kid that I have with a donor, right? It didn't, it didn't, I didn't think about it like, oh my gosh, I'm going to do this as a single mother. This is such woman empowerment. I figured I am a woman and I can do this. That's it. Yeah, amen. Well, we, we had a woman on, uh, Rachel Russo on my podcast last month, who's a matchmaker, who said, you know, being a single mom by choice was a single best decision, not only for my life, as you're saying, Goldessa, but for my dating life. Like more men <laughs> have come out of the woodwork. And there's actually a study so that's that, what I need to do. well, egg freezing, <laughs> egg freezing, and again, I've tracked dating and relationship trends, has been shown to increase uh, dating success because everyone's a little more present, you know, when they just feel like they're taking action that they want to take. Yeah. So, you know, how about you guys going through fertility treatments? Did you lean on each other, girlfriends? Like, how did you do it without? Well, Caroline did my first shot, so I was too much of a she chicken did the rest to do it. I did the rest good. of them, but uh, Caroline like helped helped with the first one because it, you, you're not used to having to take these hormones or you know do all of it. So having each other was really good and uh, helped me keep on track to like not mess up things because <laughs> there's a lot going on. There's a lot you have to do. Those hormones are no joke. I mean, if you guys have gone through it, when you put the embryo in, whatever the fuck I was putting in my ass on injections, <laughs> I don't know what it was, but my mom came over and Beyonce was on TV and she sat down and she's like, oh, who's that? I'm like, it's fucking Beyonce, mom. And I just started crying. And I'm just like, oh my God. It's, it's, those hormones are no joke. No joke. I, I cry over everything. Like everything. Mom, I cry multiple times every single day. Over Beyonce? Probably. <laughs> well, we're called pregnant-ish because you are a little bit pregnant when you're going through these, hor- you're injecting with hormones and it's a big mind trip to have an embryo put in you. You are literally a little bit pregnant. So that's not true that you can't be. Well, you're pregnant Even though there's no embryos yet or whatever, I just, just even my eggs alone, I feel like it, it did something for me after my first egg retrieval. Like it ignited something within me. And I was like, oh no, I think I'm shape-shifting into a mom. Like, uh, it, was, it was weird. Oh like, gosh. The, like it, what it does for your like soul. Like I was in a really bad relationship. Like really, really bad. Um, and he was abusive. It was all like all the all the things. I, after my first egg retrieval, I looked at this guy like, "Get the hell out of here! Like, don't even look at my egg!" Like, and I had this like maternal instinct. Where I was like, 
like I couldn't leave this guy for myself, but I had to leave him for my child because my child deserved a better life than I wasn't be able to give him give them with this man. Mm-hmm. And thank you, thank you. Yeah. It was just it was just cool to watch that like happen for me. We're like. I will do everything to protect you. Like, and like all of a sudden you have this strength that you don't even know you have. And like the things I've gone through in the last year and a half, I like, and old me would have killed me. But like, because I'm doing this for my future, like it's somehow exhausting, but easy. Like it's weird. We're talking about taking charge of your fertility by egg freezing, or at least knowing what's happening in your body. If you want to have a baby one day. So it made sense with us to partner with Extend Fertility, the largest egg freezing practice in the nation for this episode. Extend Fertility was founded on the premise that democratizing egg freezing could ultimately change the fertility industry and deliver better results. Since their founding, Extend Fertility has helped thousands of patients on their fertility journey through egg freezing and IVF, putting them in charge of their fertility future instead of letting time dictate the path. They also want to make egg freezing within reach financially, and since their start, began offering egg freezing at 40% below the national average cost. Extend Fertility believes in being personal and data-driven. They're passionate about delivering fertility care in a more compassionate and transparent way. To proactively explore your fertility options, Extend Fertility offers egg freezing consultations for free. To schedule this and to learn more, visit extendfertility.com. Well, we've talked a lot about this. Golnessa is a a podcast guest of mine separate from this. We have another episode together where we go deeper on the Pregnant Podcast with your amazing story. And I know we've talked about how, as a whole person, bringing a little person into the world, it's going to be healthier than in some relationships that have been modeled to you that you were not striving for right correct I think that um it was a process when I decided I'm doing this alone it's I I joke around with it it's like a -a build-a-bear workshop for building a baby when you go sperm shopping it's just it's a trip and it really it really puts things in perspective and it's not about falling in love with someone and making a baby out of love or whatever it's called these days you know what I mean this is just like you're actually designing this child and there's never been so much pressure in my life on me not any part of the IVF procedure even the worst parts which you know I knew we'll get to but none of that was as hard as actually picking the genetics so let's talk about that picking the genetics because our audience and many of you in the audience know that third-party reproduction, sperm donation, egg donation, embryo donation, and even a gestational surrogacy, which uh, we have people in the audience going through that. But third-party reproduction is a whole other layer of fertility that we don't talk about enough. Mm-hmm. So what advice do you have for people who are just entering this process of picking the genetic material of their future baby? I would strongly say do not pick a donor that you would want to date or marry. Pick a donor you want a human to be raised out of because they're two different things. And I think it's just an instinct where like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, that sounds hot. Oh, 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 he's got his life together. Where is he located? You know what I mean? It's just it's just so different. It's so cold. I can't explain the feeling, you know, when you're reading a 50-page file work of the grandparents, the aunts, the uncles, are their earlobes attached or disconnected? You know, is there a dimple? Like, how did they grow up? What's their psyche like? It was a lot of work. And I made a high demand. I said, I can only take donors with photographs. 
which is very slim, very, very slim. Um, but they found it. I hired an amazing company called Donor Concierge. And I just, and I sat with their people. It's like this psych analysis I went, to, went through and they get to know me. They get to know what I'm looking for, not just looks, you know, or genetics, but also the psyche. It's a big thing. Do you want a calm child? Do you want an easygoing child? Would you like a more active or fit child? And those categories, it's just like it starts, you know, the checkbox. So mm-hmm. it was hard. It's it was very hard. It is a lot of pressure. We, we've, we've talked so much on the podcast about third-party reproduction, and I interviewed once an egg donor and someone who used an egg donor. And that was an interesting, having both sides of it. But the, egg do- the person who used an egg donor who had to get over the hump, which, which is it's a hard process, and many of you know this deeply. She said at the end of the day, she just decided, who do I want to get a beer with? <laughs> like, she, she was wading through, like you were, yeah. all these sheets and all these, this yeah. material, and she thought, you know, who do I just want to hang with? That's who I'm going to pick. Let's go back to reality TV for a minute. What do people know about you from reality shows, and what do you think they don't know about you that you haven't shared? Well, something with, something with The Bachelor, it's very, you're very like, vulnerable, you know? You go through uh, getting together with someone, breakups, your first kiss, saying you love someone. Um, and so I feel like we're so used to being so vulnerable and open with our lives. Um, and so... I guess like talking about something like this just seems, I don't know, you, you feel like you're talking to your friends. Or you feel like you're talking to someone that you know really well. And so in that way, I think the communication has been, I don't know, it feels good to be able to kind of like build a community, you know, around something like this. Yeah. And, what, and, and, and kind of what was your persona, I guess, on The Bachelor? How would people describe you who watched you? A weird taxidermy girl. She was a taxidermy girl. <laughs> she was. And even as like a, the other girl in the house, it's, this girl's got, she's got a, a taxidermy thing in her suitcase. Like, yeah. And then it's funny because like y- you feel like that's weird and then you get to meet Kendall and you're like, oh my God, that's so cool. I love that about you. And I, I love that she was able to like open, you know, my eyes to something different. And then you go to her house and she's got the taxidermy stuff in her house and it's so tasteful and you're like why does this look so cute I never would have thought that well, but it I study <laughs> I mean people would see that I'm the crazy taxidermy girl but I study like zoology botany entomology on the side so it's really just uh, inspirational tools to allow me to research things it's just a hobby that I've always had I like collecting dead things that I find on hikes I like learning about <laughs> what did you plants? try to collect the other day you were like ooh and there was something and I was like Kendall put it down <laughs> like, something. I don't remember what it was <laughs> I forget but I was like no that's not coming back to my house I like bugs too, so like I love bugs. Like yeah. Wait a minute, Golnessa recently told me you like snakes. Oh, I'm you guys, you guys need to hang out. I but I don't want to see them stuffed. <laughs> I just want to see them alive. So, so nine season, nine seasons of Shaz of Sunset. Do you, and you have a podcast. Yes, right? I have a podcast. So, like, people have heard from you a lot. Yeah. But did you share what? When did you decide to share your fertility story and your your ectopic pregnancy experience? Let's talk about that. When did you decide you wanted to put that out? I didn't have a choice. I mean, honestly, I'm on a reality show. It's been so many years, and the cameras are part of your body. They're just there. You know, the mics are on. You don't even know. Sometimes you go home and you fall asleep with them on. It's just you're so used to it. And I was filming. I had just done my embryo uh, transfer. And I was going in to see the first heartbeat. And I went in, and they're not seeing anything, 
right? And now this is IVF. IVF bypasses all the stuff and goes right in the landing point. So they call other doctors in. They're searching. They send me over to now the hospital where they have a bigger machine to look in. So they're looking. At this point, ladies, this is raunchy. My legs had been spread with something inside for so long now. I was nauseous. I was nauseous. I'm like, at this point, I don't fucking care if it's there or not. Just get this out of me. It was there, like, we're not we're not finding this thing, and... Um, it's a vulnerable position to be in, and you're, like, already, like, it's emotional, and then now you're vulnerable. It's, it's a lot. I didn't know what was happening. You know, I'm like, I don't know what's happening. They don't prepare you for that side of it. They don't tell you the fine print side, right? So I'm like, I don't understand what's happening, and I started having a little bit of cramps. They did another test. They did see that it had perhaps gone into my fallopian tube. There is a less than 1% chance to get an ectopic pregnancy using IVF. So fluke as fuck, right? It's there. Not even that. I'm filming, you guys. I'm in a scene. I am feeling my body's just a little hot. I'm getting little flashes. I got really cold and I got really hot again. I'm like, I don't know what's happening to me. I'm just going to go with it. Sometimes, you know, when you're going through those hormones, and I'm coming off of it, because they had to put a massive needle of methotrexate, which is chemotherapy, in me to dissolve this. So it would not rupture. So I had two needles. Like, literally, they're like, we're so sorry. We have to do this. My doctor was practically crying because he's never had an incident like this. And one here, one here, and it's supposed to start dissolving. Fast forward to my, I'm filming. I'm feeling these pains. I'm getting hot and cold. I finished the scene. I'm driving. At one point, I'm just practically like in this position. And I call my doctor. I have a very high threshold to pain, you guys. Very high threshold. I call my doctor. I'm like, I'm feeling some cramps. You know, it's a little uneasy. I'm in fetal position. He goes, where are you? I said, I'm on the 101 freeway right now, stuck in traffic. And I was like, and I have another thing to go film right now. So, you know, what do I need to do? What do I need to take? He goes, you need to get to Cedar sinai Hospital right now. And I'm like, I'm really hungry. I've been filming all day. I can't go right now. I literally drive home. I drive home to eat. I go home and I'm like, I'm eating. And then my doctor calls me and he goes, I just called Cedars. You haven't entered. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm just fixing the plate. I'll go after. He goes, you can't eat. You need to go now. I go there within maybe 15, 20 minutes. They're gurning me into the OR. I have no idea what's happening, and I just see that it's ruptured and something has happened to my other tube. They are sedating me, and this woman comes really deep in my face as I'm going to the OR and looking up, and she's like telling me I have to sign papers, right? Now we're in hospitals pre-COVID. They still have to wear masks, right? I'm legally deaf, so I read lips. I didn't know what she was saying to me, and I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. I don't understand what's how she goes. She pulls it down. She goes, I need you to sign that you're sterilizing yourself. So I'm like, fuck my life. I just go like this. I'm like, just, just fucking do it. So wow. I, they took both my fallopian tubes out. I can never get pregnant naturally. But when my doctor was there, she was at her daughter's graduation. They called her in to do the surgery. And she said, it's okay, Glenessa. I can still, you'll get pregnant with IVF. It's fine. You don't need those tubes. Take them out. Right. And I said, let's just do it. And I didn't, I didn't think twice. I never mourned the process. I never felt bad for myself. I was sad for the loss because I had timed it out when the baby's going to be born, you know, what it's going to be, which sign it's going to be. 
And then knowing that in three months, I'm going to start over. And I did. I'm not, I wasn't affected emotionally or psychologically yet. I was in shock of it all. Mm-hmm. Like my point is to get pregnant here and I'm not stopping till that happens. In three months, I was pregnant. Wow. And I think, but I think <laughs> that's what this community can actually really relate to you on, which is that we stop at nothing. Yeah to get this goal, no matter how crazy. Like, we are badass women here doing these things, right? I mean, a lot of people would not put up with what we have, the journeys we have gone on. We're moms. Just, Even though we don't have, have the kids to, yet, we're moms. What we, would a mom do? Mm-hmm. You'd lift a car up off, they have that superhuman strength or the yeah, adrenaline. You lift a car up off a baby. This is, it's kind of the same thing. Like, I am lifting all of the cars off of my damn life just to, like, get there. But it, you, you ha, you're a mom. It is a, mm-hmm. not, not physically yet, but, like, you just are. I think it's so hard for people who haven't been through fertility treatments or infertility to understand how much love we can have for babies we've never met. They don't understand that these are precious lives in our hearts. We have futures planned. We have, you know, we we are connected to these beings spiritually. I prayed and talked to them and journaled them all the time. Like, it just, for me, it helps make it real and tangible because this feels so kind of fake sometimes. You're like, (laughs) I'm not doing anything. Like, and it's the baby is so far away for me. So it's a way for me that like helps connect me to this whole experience and, and to see like the big picture. Because if you don't, you kind of like, it's, I just think it would be too hard if you like didn't, couldn't see that like light at the end of the tunnel and know that like, you know, hey, like one day, one way or another, you're going to be a mother. And Caroline, you've gotten emotional, which, which I, I which we do too. <laughs> we understand it. But, you know, it's, it's so vulnerable and important for us to have this real talk about fertility because so many listeners, and I don't fault them for not wanting to share. They can't share, but they need to hear it from those of us who can share. What would you tell them? People who are, cl- like, literally listening to every single word you guys sh- are sharing right now, what would you tell them about keeping the hope alive, whatever, or, or creating a baby, whether you're single or you have a partner, what would you tell them? Just do whatever it is you can do and then be okay with giving up because it doesn't mean it's over. It means that trial is over. There are reasons it just doesn't happen medically. If you want to believe it's spiritual, uh, religious, whatever it is, it's very personal, but you shouldn't, you shouldn't torture yourselves for the rest of your lives because of, you know, a circumstance. That's all. What would you say, Caroline? I think it's so important to, like, like you were just saying, it kind of reminded me of the fact that, like, it, some things are out of our control. So for me, it's so important to stay positive. And I hate, like, the whole idea of, like, toxic positivity because I get that. Like, I get it. But for me, like, that's just what works. Like, I need to stay positive in all of this. And obviously, like, okay, so plan A is, is, you know, we retrieve my eggs and, you know, ideally, like, that works. And then if that doesn't work, I have a plan B and then we'll use my sister's eggs. And if that doesn't work, you know, I'll adopt. And, like, there's... You have, or, you know, you come up with all these different scenarios, but at the end of the day, like the child that is meant to be yours will be yours. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you know, we, of course, I would love to have my own biological child, but like at the end of the day, like I, I'm a mom, and so like, what does that look like? And there's other kids out there who who need moms. I'm a mom. Hey, what's up? I'll, I'll be your mom. <laughs> like, you know. So you just have to kind of just 
pivot where the moment, you know, requires you to pivot. Mm, pivot. We all pivot so much. I love a good friends um, quote. <laughs> Kendall, how about you? Um, for me, I think the one thing I took away is to normalize the conversation about fertility. I think the conversation I kept having over and over again when I was younger was how to not be pregnant and how to avoid pregnancy. And I think that's just in a lot of our minds growing up is avoid it, avoid it, avoid it. And I think what I learned so much through Dr. Amy and Caroline was you need to check, you know, check yourself, make it normal to check and to talk about and to be in control of your own fertility. I think that's so important. Um, And by freezing my eggs, it's, you know, I, I take control of my timeline. And I think that's really important to spread to women, especially since we're all professionals. We're all working, whether, you know, whatever field it may be. Um, but, yeah, I like being able to be in control of that. Well, these are badass women. For National Infertility Awareness Week, I can't thank you guys enough for, you know, just lending your voices and advocacy, support, and education. And for all the people listening to know that these women understand you and that they, they are right alongside you is, is a beautiful thing. So thank you for being on the Pregnancy Podcast. Thank, thank you for thank having us. And, and thank you for listening to another episode of the Pregnancy Podcast where we always have real talk about fertility. Until next time.